Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to this Monday episode of Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, back. I missed you. I missed you. You remember I, I took a few days off last week. I had some vacationing to do, had a little bit of family stuff to do. Uh, my young daughter, nine months old, went camping for the first time over the weekend up in Big Cottonwood Canyon. She slept just fine. It was a wonderful experience. If I've got some time later on today, uh, I'll give you the full story on, uh, on the little cute things she did and the, uh, the wonderful first experience she had as a, as a brand new camper there at nine months. A wonderful, wonderful weekend. Uh, but as I said, I missed you. Uh, you and I didn't get a chance to go back and forth about what the Democrats had to say as they uh, proceeded throughout the week, uh, talking about uh, various things, promoting Joe Biden, denouncing Donald Trump, and uh, all that uh, good stuff in between. Well, this week, uh, it's the Republicans' turn. They are gathering together, uh, quote-unquote, gathering together uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina. There'll be uh, a number of speeches delivered throughout the week, of course. And right now, in fact, there are delegates from around the country that are gathered in uh, North Carolina. There are certain elements of the convention that do require uh, in-person action. And so that's taking place right now. The nomination is, is officially being, uh, being given. In fact, in just a little while, we will uh, hear from Mike Lee as he delivers uh, the ballots on behalf of uh, the Utah delegates uh, in favor of Donald Trump. Fascinating uh, procedural stuff. We'll speak to some of the folks that are there. Uh, that's all coming up later on. Right now, though, uh, you may be you may be having a, a brand new experience today, or at least an experience you haven't enjoyed since March, mid-March, when the kids were sent home. Specifically, the kids from Canyons and Granite School District. They're back in the classroom. Today and we have here at KSL News Radio had a pair of reporters uh, dispatched out into the field to see how day one in those two massive districts here in the state have fared. Uh, KSL's John Wojcik smoked this morning uh, with D2, and he he was assigned to the Granite School District, and he talked a bit this morning about registration numbers for the fall. They're expecting just under 90% to be in person. Out of 67,000, that's a lot of kids. They said right around 88%. That's, that's a big number. And all the preparations that are being made, uh, hopefully, are adequate to handle that big number. Uh, I'm optimistic. And as I've told you a number of times before, if my own little baby Piper were old enough to be in school and I were given the choice, uh, do you send her back into the classroom? Uh, do you do some sort of hybrid thing? Do you homeschool? Uh, my, my decision, without hesitation, would be, uh, sweet baby Piper, you're going back to school. Uh, John, this morning, continued as he spoke with uh, D2, talked about uh, some of the safety measures that Granite School District is taking to get the kids and the teachers uh, back in school safely today. 
Last week, they had about 10,000 student desk dividers get shipped out to the district. Also, 3,000 desk shields. It sounds like in some situations, teachers are actually going to have some sort of shield uh, on their desk. So when students come up to ask a question or talk to them, there will be some sort of protective barrier in between uh, the teacher and the student. So masks are just one component, I guess, to the safety uh, precautions being taken here in the Granite District. And you've certainly seen all of what he just described. You've seen uh, these plexiglass dividers. Uh, you've seen them uh, not only in the footage and the photos from school uh, classrooms, but you've also seen it. It's essentially a replica of what you are seeing uh, at at gas stations and grocery stores and retail places as you as you transact uh, and do your business. Uh, you're now doing it for the most part in between these barriers, and that's what's being deployed uh, around the school, specifically in the Granite School District. That's just one uh, of the two big districts opening today. Uh, also opening today, students returning to school, uh, those who pertain to the Canyon School District. And joining me now, uh, one of my favorite people, KSL News Radio reporter Mary Richards, who's been assigned to Canyons here this morning. Mary, how you doing? I'm good. Better you call me one of your favorite people. We missed you last week. I'm glad I you know. had a good time, though. It was great. Uh, it was so wonderful. I I, uh, I don't want to bore folks with talking too much about Little Piper in the woods camping, but it was like <laughs> it was a beautiful experience uh, to see her kind of crawling around in the dirt and sitting up on the log and sitting up on my knee by the campfire. It was a cool thing and. Uh, I, I know it's uniquely special to me as her dad, as a first-time dad, but uh, I, uh, <laughs> I wish I hadn't put it off so long. Uh, I, get, uh, I get the excitement to, and the enticement of parenthood and had a, mm-hmm. a good evidence of that this weekend. Enough of that. You, this morning, Canyon yeah. School District. Uh, how early did you start your day out there? Yeah, I got out there about 4.15 a.m., 4.20. Uh, first live hit, uh, live on the radio was at 5, so I wanted to make sure I got some uh, sound and some information on what Canyons was doing, and I was grateful that they met me that early. They have about 33,000, 34,000 students in 44 schools. Uh, comparing that to um, Granite, as you heard John say, they've got about 67,000 students in 63 schools. So mine was a little bit smaller, but still a good chunk of the valley uh, incorporates the Canyon School District. And so uh, they talked about spending $1 million just on the district level for personal protective equipment, including the stuff that the state sent. So they had been actually working on that themselves for a, a while to get that all in place. Uh, they showed me a school bus and how it is sanitized throughout the route. And then after they use one of those like foggers <laughs> to I've like seen... really clean it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, it's like the type of uh, thing you use to like kill weeds or something, but in a compact handheld deal, and you you, yeah. you spray some stuff. I saw uh, some footage earlier of a bus driver moving through seat to seat. Yep. You, you mentioned disinfection or disinfectants uh, in, during during transit. What's that? How do they do that? Yeah, he's gonna. He was telling me that they kind of wipe down with the wipes all those touch points as the kids. They're pretty much treating every child like this personal little. A germ factory like you know pig pen from uh, yeah. from charlie brown so they wipe down everything anybody touches they had assigned seats on the bus siblings sit together and if you have like a neighbor that you've kind of been around you can sit close to them too but they wanted everybody spread out and they were going to have fewer kids on the bus this year because it was um 22 percent choosing online learning 78 percent in the classroom so that's cutting down on some of the bu- kids at the bus and then other parents choosing to just drive their kids this year to help kind of have those kids spread out more too so that was something they emphasized interesting o- only seven only 78 percent opted to go back into the classroom yeah a little bit less than that number that john was quoting but these are different demographics right uh and 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 i know in granite they've talked a lot about how they really have um a lot of and all of our school districts have some refugee students all of them do but in granite they have some certain pockets where students 
and their parents or one parent or whatever, or grandparents need to have them in the school yeah. either for their own circumstances or they learn better. And other places where they have that choice, they were saying, you know what, I think just based on our own family situation or risks or whatever, we're, we can do online. Yeah. Uh, I, I heard there was some marching band music being played this morning. Yeah. What was that all about? <laughs> yeah, we got to meet the Brighton High School marching band. It's their first year of having a marching band. They've been trying to get one for about three years. They've got it approved in the fall. And they're kind of coming back during a pandemic. So they showed how they play with the masks. Um, for right now, they just kind of move them to the side to play and then quickly pop them back on. But they'll even have masks that are coming that have a special mouthpiece for like the trumpet player. Just slip that in there. <laughs> so that's who knew that those things that they've made. Um, so they were excited to get those because they want to play. And these students were so happy to be together, even though they were all standing apart, to be sharing this talent. They felt empowered finally after five months to be able to be doing something they love and they felt like it was safe. Yeah. And you did get that sense that, that people did feel safe. They were encouraged by the, the safeguards being put in place around them. I think so, yeah. Um, you know, occasionally we'll get an email or a comment or a call from somebody in, in any school district, and they'll point out things that worry them, and, and we'll do some checking on those for sure. Other times, I, I would encourage those parents or teachers to contact their school directly and get those questions answered and see if that will make you feel better about your plan. Yeah. Uh, very good. How, how are you doing? How are your, how are your kids doing? <laughs> I think they're good. I'm worried, though, that the kids all day in school will not necessarily – I'm worried most about them coming home starving because they've been eating on the hour for five months. <laughs> so that's me um, feeling better today. I feel lighter. Yeah. For a long time, I've had this worry and this dread about various different things, and many families have. And today I was like, you know what? They are resilient kids. They're just going to come home starving. Absolutely. Yeah, I, uh, since I've been working at home, I am just a free-range grazer. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I got a commercial break coming up here in about 30 seconds. I may uh, take the 10 steps out to the kitchen and see what's uh, cooking out there. You deserve it. <laughs> uh, Mary, thank you so much for your work. Thanks for getting up so early this morning, keeping us informed uh, as to what's going on in the school, specifically Canyons here this morning. Look forward to speaking to you again. For sure. All right, we are going to take a quick break right now. And when we return, we're going to continue our focus uh, on returning to schools or at least Returning to education, you know, the Salt Lake District uh, has, has not reopened for in-person learning. And there are a number of parents who have uh, been looking for alternatives, looking for uh, options uh, available to them that haven't been presented by the district. We'll speak to one such parent uh, who is engaging in this new tactic called Pandemic Pod. Pandemic Pod, that's where you get together with your neighbors and teach your kids together. We'll get the details on that next from a parent. On Live Mike, I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. A couple more school districts welcoming students into the classroom today. Canyons. We just spoke with Mary Richards. Uh, she gave a report. Uh, fascinating stuff. And we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. You know, th this is one of those deals where uh, you throw a lot of spaghetti up at the wall and you hope, uh, you hope, uh, you hope it sticks. Because... Uh, this this remains a, a novel virus, you know, one about which we know uh, relatively little compared to, to other viruses. But uh, there is good reason to be encouraged, right? We have uh, certainly learned enough uh, to put in place some safeguards. Well, uh, it's different in different places. And different districts have made different decisions based on the information and the unique circumstances they are observing within their district boundaries. What I'm getting at here is uh, the Salt Lake School District. 
uh, not welcoming students into the classroom today. Uh, instead, they, for the foreseeable future, will be, <clears throat> once school, school starts on September 8th, uh, they will be offering up uh, educational opportunities in the strictly remote uh, fashion, or there are some homeschooling options for uh, parents to choose. And that put uh, a number of parents in a bind. As you well know, if you're listening and you fall within uh, these district boundaries, you know uh, the, the frustration. If you had your sights and your mind and your, uh, your family planning uh, set on students returning to the classroom only to find out that, well, uh, no, uh, no, they won't. And you uh, are going to have to do some uh, logistical gymnastics to figure out exactly how to accommodate uh, the situation that is being created by uh, the district. Uh, it can be challenging. And there were some, uh, some parents that looked to other districts and looked into opportunities uh, to transfer their students and attend where that district felt it safe uh, and comfortable with returning and welcoming students back into the classroom. Uh, one such parent, uh, a good friend of this program's, the producer of the movie show here on KSL News Radio, Robin Garfield, joins me now. Uh, Robin, how are you? I'm doing great, Lee. Thanks for having me on. It has been a wild ride for you and your family over the past few months, hasn't it? You know, uh, I think throwing spaghetti at the wall is probably a very good uh, <laughs> axiom for this whole experience. Yeah, you know. You think you have a plan. It's like going through the stages of grief, right? So uh -huh. initially I was in denial. So we were going to send our kids to Davis. No, Salt Lake, you know, isn't doing school, but we will be back in the classroom full time. I'm going to make a lot of plans. So we talked, you know, a few weeks ago or whatever it was, a month. We were going up to Davis full time, and I was going to drive a half an hour each way to get my kids in the classroom. And then they changed their... Uh, plans, and we had to go back to the drawing board, and then I kind of went to the acceptance phase of, all right, online school, we'll stay in Salt Lake School District, and um, really uh, commit to this remote learning. I've set up, we're going to actually set up some classroom space at my husband's office, if possible, and get them out of the house at least, so they can go off-site while they do these calls, but it leaves a gap in some of those extracurricular and um, special services that school offers, and that's something we're trying to figure out right now as a neighborhood, actually. And what is this? The phrase I've seen, there was a Tanya Dean uh, television story on KSL television the other day uh, that uses the phrase pandemic pods. What's a pandemic pod, and how are you trying to use this? Yeah, so I think generally it refers to, you know, groups of parents in the community who get together and all say, hey, I've got a skill here, I've got a skill here. What if we all get together and either teach a group of kids, you know, individually as parents, or we could pull our resources and hire a tutor in this group to come, on, to come in and teach, let's say, six to ten kids in the neighborhood uh, a topic or a, uh, a subject. And so in our neighborhood, we have gotten a, a few of us together just through chatting over text and some of us have said, hey, we're all home. Why don't we do this sort of rotating maybe three times a week? You know, kids can come to my house for an hour, and I speak Spanish as a second language. So okay. I'm committing to teaching Spanish uh, to some of my neighbor kids for about an hour. And then uh, my neighbor is a chemist, so they're, we, you know, essentially we go over to the, their house, and she'll teach some science and chemistry. And then another neighbor is a musician, so we're looking at some music classes and, and some of that. But it it, it it poses some new challenges because it's all different age groups. So, right, I have a six-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a 10-year-old. 
we're not going to break these pods down into age-specific right. groups because it, there's just not the resources for that. So we're trying to come up with lesson plans that can teach to a broad uh, spectrum of ages and abilities, which is a little challenging. But, you know, we're just trying to roll with it around here. Is this, uh, is this to take the place of uh, the, the online learning that's being made available by the district, or uh, what, no. how will this interact with that? Yeah, so uh, for our case here, we're going to do a hybrid. This is the plan, let me just say this, for today. Sure. <laughs> I feel like the, the ground moves from underneath my feet constantly. Um, but for right now, you know, the, the pin in our bulletin board is to do the online curriculum that Salt Lake is providing, but then stitch in every day one of these rotating uh, classes with within our community. I know other groups are doing strictly pods, like, and I think that's where p- parents are actually hiring tutors to come right. in and teach us solid curriculum. This is more just getting them some of these more extracurricular skills and classroom um, experiences that, that the online modules aren't offering. Like I said, things like language learning and music and some different like hands-on science stuff that they can't get over the computer. We're just trying to plug all those little learning gaps that we see, you know, kind of spring up with our kids while we're doing this online module that hopefully is only for the first what do they say term or whatever I don't who knows yeah, ter- right? term I think is the word they're using is it I, I, end of October I think uh, but you yeah. did hear the superintendent the other day uh, using some language that kind of opened the door for maybe uh, maybe that being pushed back even further. You hope that's not the case. Uh, you, know, you hope these Salt Lake kids can get back into the classroom, yours included. You, you, you talk about the gaps. You talk about the, the interactions, the extracurricular type uh, things that are so valuable to the experience. As I look back on my own experience, I don't remember too much chemistry. I don't remember too much uh, about, uh, you know, uh, ancient uh, literature. Uh, what I do remember, though, are so many of the, the social experiences that I had. Uh, you know, even some of the teasing back and forth, uh, some of the, the, the bonding socially that, uh, that I experienced. Those are the things that have stayed with me and I think have shaped me in, in, in a great, great way. And I just have feared that there will be a, a generation of students or at least uh, a generation of students who, uh, who experience this time of life and this style of learning uh, that will miss out on some of that. And I think what you're describing here, this, uh, this pod hybrid uh, experiment, I think at least in small part, as, the, your student, as your children interact with the neighbors, they'll have a good opportunity to, to enjoy some of that uh, social interaction. And, and for me, at least from afar, uh, strikes me as a massive, massive benefit. Yeah, I, we're really hoping, you know, I, I've mentioned this before, I have a child on the, you know, the autism spectrum, and social interaction isn't just a casual engagement for us. It is building life skills for him that he will not be able to develop online, and, and, and that is a, a mental gap for him that, that we have to provide, or we are going to experience some really big setbacks in his um, you know, special needs education. This isn't just the, oh, he needs to go play basketball with some friends. This is life skills right now at one of the most crucial developmental periods of his life that he has got to develop. And as parents, you get a little desperate, but, you know, this is what we're looking at. All right, let's invite some kids over to the house in a safe environment and and just have them interact and throw some learning in, right? (laughs) Make that almost secondary to the interactions that they're going to have with the other kids. Well, I admire you. I admire your creativity. I admire your determination to pull this off and do what's best for your own children and uh, for the children in the neighborhood. I wish you the best of luck with this. And hopefully, you know, the, the, the big hope is that the numbers improve to a point where the district is uh, satisfied and comfortable with reopening the doors and everyone gets back to uh, at least an approximation of how things used to be. Robin Garfield, thank you so much. Best of luck to you. Thank you, Lee. 
Alrighty. Uh, we're going to take a break right now, uh, and as we return, we're going to uh, look back at what has transpired in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, the, the Republican National Convention is underway now. Uh, delegates from around the country have descended on Charlotte. They have done their business. They're all heading home now. Uh, we spoke a moment ago to Amy Winder Newton, a delegate. Next up after the break, we'll speak with Bruce Huff, Republican National Committeeman. He'll be my guest. Tell us what's going on in Charlotte and what's coming up this week. Unlike Mike, I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.